Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Jordan Duckins and Rufus Ferguson. After two years of not being able to conceive, Jordan got pregnant at the end of 2019. They will be sharing their story of navigating pregnancy and birth after losing Jordan's grandmother, being far from family, and during a global pandemic, speaking to still finding joy amongst it all. Hello, Jordan. Hello, Rufus. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. We're glad to be here. (laughs) Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, so we're a little family of three now. Um, Rufus and I, we've been together for seven years. Um, We got married in 2017. So we've been married for three. Um, We did long distance while we were dating. Um, I'm originally from California and he's from Michigan. So we live in Michigan now. Um, I moved here when we got engaged. And yeah, so three years of marriage and we just had our first child, our daughter, Corinne, in August of 2020. And so she just turned seven months yesterday. And so now there's three of us. And Jordan, um, no, Rufus, I hear you're a musician. Where can I get the tunes at? Uh, If you type in my name on YouTube, there's lots and lots of videos of me posted (laughs) there. Um, Come on. No idea where, how any of them got there, but they're there. <laughs> That's what we call a soft flex. <laughs> For real. Humble, bro. Perfect. Perfect. We'll make sure we put a couple of those in the show notes. Check out Rufus. Tell us a little bit about the pregnancy. Yeah, I guess I'd have to. <laughs> yeah, you gotta do that. So, um, yeah, it, it, so, you know, we, okay, like I said, we got married in 2017. Um, we had, we knew that we didn't want to have children our first year of marriage. We wanted to kind of like enjoy ourselves, you know, enjoy being married, like it just being the two of us. And so, you know, our first year of marriage, we went, it went by and not, we weren't actually doing anything like to prevent a pregnancy. It just didn't happen. And so, you know, but I was fine with that. Um, By year two, I was feeling more, you know, ready to, to have a baby. And so, um, you know, just kept doing our thing and, but nothing was happening. And so I just, I was looking it up and I read that, you know, if you don't, usually, you know, most women get pregnant within a first, their first year of trying. And so of course I was thinking like, what's wrong? Like, and I think now it was like a year and a half and, you know, still you know nothing. And so I, I even went to the doctor, I got ultrasounds just to see, you know, if there was anything, you know, wrong. And they would always tell me like, there's, there's not, we don't see anything internally that would be wrong. Um, they said I was perfectly healthy. Like it, you know, it should, it should happen. And everyone just seems so nonchalant. They're like, you're young. It's fine. And I'm like freaking out. Cause I'm like, what if I'm just not able to conceive? And so it we were coming up on our second anniversary. And um, I remember uh, we were about to go out of town and it was just like a reminder that had, you know, we had been together for two years and it's, you know, it, it still hadn't happened. And so I actually, now that I think about this, I don't know what possessed me to do this, but I called my mother-in-law and I was just crying. And and I was like, I'm, 
I haven't been able to conceive. You know, I, I don't know if we're able, ever able to, to um, ever, ever, ever going to be able <laughs> to have children. And so, um, yeah, she, and I would have, you know, I'm very close with my mom, but my mom, you know, she got pregnant very early in her marriage and it was never an issue for her. But my mother-in-law, it took her a while to have Rufus. And so I knew she would kind of understand where I was coming from. And, you know, she told me like, you know, it's going to be okay. You know, it'll, it'll happen when you need it to happen and just, you know, just relax. And the next month I was pregnant. (laughs) So um, I was at home for Thanksgiving. We were both at home for Thanksgiving and I was having terrible cramps. They were so painful. Um, I just thought I was PMSing. You know, I was like, okay, my period's right around the corner. The idea of pregnancy had really left my mind. I was like, I'm not really going to think about this anymore. Um, But I was laying on the couch and I was just having like a cramping episode. And my brother was sitting on the couch and he looked at me, he's like, you're probably pregnant. And I was like, you know, I was kind of irritated because I didn't want to think, I didn't want to get my hopes up. So I was like, no, I'm just dying. I'm not pregnant. (laughs) And so... (laughs) Um, I, I said, I'm as soon as I get back home, I'm going to make a doctor's appointment because this is ridiculous. Um, and so I know the first thing they always ask you is, is there a possibility you could be pregnant? And I wanted to make sure like I could just say no. So I went to the store, I got a pregnancy test, I was just casually took it just so, you know, I could tell the doctors I took a pregnancy test and it was negative. So it's not pregnancy. So figure out what's wrong with me. And um, I took the test, (laughs) you know, I saw a very, you know, thick pink line. And then I saw the faintest second pink line and my hands just started shaking. And I was like, is this, you know, is this for real? And so, yeah, it was, it was positive. And um, that was November 30th, 2019. So we were really excited when we found out. Um, I was very, you know, nervous. I just, you know, you don't know what to expect, but you're just, I was just really happy. Um, and so I was at home. Um, November 29th was actually the last time I saw my grandmother, um, alive. That's when we were at home for Thanksgiving. November 30th is when I found out I was pregnant and she passed away a week later. So, um, that was really hard because, uh, it was just, I was very close to my grandmother. Um, just super close. I loved, I just loved her so much, you know, and, and she was old, you know, it's not like it was a surprise that she passed away. She was 94, but it was just why at this moment, you know, as soon as I find out that this, you know, that this gift has finally arrived, it's like, I had all this joy and then just a big loss at the same time. So Um, The first few months were hard, you know, then the morning sickness started. So emotionally, I was a wreck. Physically, um, that first trimester, I was just, the nausea was terrible. I actually lost about 20 pounds just from um, vomiting like every day. So um, my first trimester, I was miserable. Um, So the physical physical and emotional strain was a lot. but, you know, I, I actually had a lot of nausea throughout my entire pregnancy. I was well into my second trimester before it kind of eased up. So, um, you know, physically, pregnancy was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was, and then uh, on the 13th of March last year is when we scheduled our appointment. 
to um to find out the sex of the baby. And so, you know, we go to this appointment the morning of March 13th and, um, you know, we're happy. We both had a feeling um, she was a girl, but, you know, they confirmed it. So there wasn't like this big surprise because I just knew when my grandmother passed away, I was like, this baby is for sure a girl. Like the timing of it was just, it was just, it just happened so close together and it just confirmed that I was probably going to have a girl. And March 13th is actually my other grandmother's birthday. And so I really felt like the spirit of both my grandmothers throughout my entire pregnancy. So I found out I was having a girl on my other grandmother's birthday. And today, the day we're recording this is actually um, my grandmother who passed away. Today is her birthday. And so it's just, I don't know, it's just all these things coming together. I just felt their presence like super strong throughout this entire experience. But Anyway, March 13th, that morning, we find out we're having a girl. We're so excited. We get out of our appointment and I have a bunch of emails from work. That's really when like the pandemic, uh, it hit, it hit our, it hit our town. So it was a reality. They were, they called everybody in. They're like, this is what's happening. We're shutting down. And so, um, yeah, about halfway through my pregnancy is when, you know, the, we went into a, know, lockdown. And so that was in itself um, was an experience because a lot of, I really enjoyed being at work. I work with a lot of women and they were all kind of giving me tips. And I told people very early in my pregnancy that I was pregnant. So they were giving me tips. They were, you know, um, giving me suggestions for different healthcare options, just all these different things. So I really felt like even though my family wasn't here, like my mom wasn't here, my aunties and uncles aren't here, my sister isn't here. I felt like I still had like this, you know, this woman tribe around me. And then, you know, now I can't go to work and now I can't even be around these women. So I felt like every like little support that I had was kind of getting taken um, from me. But um, we figured it out. Um, You know, we kind of just got used to it. There were some definite, definite like benefits to being pregnant during that time, because I got to stay at home. Um, I got to rest, even though I was still working. It was, it was much better for me to be at home, not having to like worry about getting dressed or doing my hair or getting ready for work. Like I could just stay somewhere comfortable, put my feet up. Um, the isolation I think for me was necessary just for preparing myself like mentally and emotionally and spiritually to become a mother um, I, I appreciated that time of isolation because I could just focus. I had to slow down. Um, I had to really focus on myself and my, and, you know, and my daughter and taking care of myself so she could be all right. And so that, those are the things that I kind of appreciated. The silver lining with the pandemic was, um, I really got to, the isolation was needed for me. And, um, yeah, so my my actually, you know, they say the second trimester is the best. My third trimester was probably my favorite part of my pregnancy. Um, we had because of the pandemic, we had four virtual baby showers. <laughs> um, we had my coworkers are great. I had two at my job. His coworkers threw us a virtual baby shower, and then we had one for family. So you know, lots of love from our our coworkers, our friends, our family. Um, yeah, I, we started taking, um, a birth course that was part of the, part of the ways we prepared. Um, we took an eight week, eight week, 
pregnancy, um, a childbirth and a breastfeeding course. And that was on Zoom. And it was it was actually done by a doula, um, led by a doula. I didn't have a doula. Now I look back on it. Um, I wish I had actually had a postpartum doula, but I guess we'll get to that. But yeah, um, we started that class in May and it was eight weeks and I learned so much. <laughs> I really recommend like, you know, those classes to anyone who is pregnant and Rufus attended the classes with me. And yeah, uh, I just realized how much I didn't know. And I felt so much more relaxed and prepared and kind of ready to to give birth after that because I needed that I needed to be informed. I realized I didn't know a lot and now understanding what the you know what the birthing process looks like, the different stages, you know, what could happen in a hospital. You know, my goal was to give birth naturally. That was the um the class was a natural childbirth class and so that was my goal. My mom had, you know, all three of us naturally and so I always felt like I could do it and I wanted to do it. And so, yeah, I, I got, I gained a lot of tools for, you know, pain management. And so, yeah, my, a lot of that took away a lot of my anxiety. And I also read this great book called, um, Holy Labor. It was a book that was recommended to me by one of my cousins and, um, it just gave a really great, it just reframed childbirth for me. You know, you think of it, all you think about is pain. Um, you first think of childbirth, um, but, and, you know, sometimes in the church, they say, you know, that's like God's curse on women having to deal with pain in childbirth because of the falling, you know, in uh, the Garden of Eden. But it, it reframed it as, you know, God's reflection in childbirth, like how he's reflected in the entire process, how you really honor God by what your, by what your body is doing, by you know, um, understanding his design and his creation of your body. And then that whole process of, you know, toiling and going through, you know, pain to give birth to just, just beautiful new life. And that's what, and that's like, they, she compared it to the bringing forth of God's kingdom. And so it just completely reframed childbirth for me, um, not to be afraid of the pain, but know that that's, you know, that's part of God's design and, you know, he'll be there with you through it. So that, that helped me a lot as well. So yeah, that was, that was pregnancy. Um, I don't know, Rufus, do you have anything to add? <laughs> I know I talked for a long time. <laughs> he was like, come on. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask, I mean, like we always ask, how do you, you know, prepare for birth? And you talked a little bit about, um, what you did, Jordan, but, you know, it's always great to hear kind of what partners are doing on their end, um, whether it's for their own preparation or to, you know, support uh, their partner. So, yeah, Rufus, what, how did you prepare? Um, you know, I honestly am not sure. When you look back on it, you just, the biggest part for me was to support Jordan as much as possible. So I don't even really know if I really took the time to fully prepare myself to be a parent. And I'm, in fact, I'm pretty sure I didn't because when she first came, <laughs> me and my daughter had a love-hate relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually it turned into a love-love relationship. But yeah, at first it was it was a little rough. And I think it's because I didn't really take the time to prepare myself. We're so busy making sure that our wives are 
you know, set and prepared and comfortable as, as much as they can be, that sometimes men forget that you definitely need to take a moment and get ready for a transition that is bigger than you could ever imagine. That is such a good point that I think partners, well, just the way that we, you know, talk about birth and there is such a focus on the birthing person that we kind of sometimes forget that it's a big transition for everybody and making sure that everybody who's a part of it has done something um, to either prepare for that transition or have something in place. Like I know it's going to be different. Here's who I can talk to, or I can reach out. Like when I get to that point of like, Oh wow, baby's here. (laughs) Right. There's this point during pregnancy that most partners, like um, especially male partners are like, pausing once they like start feeling a baby kick right they can physically see like okay there's a baby (laughs) yeah 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 can you tell us about your birth yeah um so you know I just knew I was gonna give birth early I was like there's no way I was huge at the beginning of July I was like I have she was due at the end of July actually July 31st and I was like I can't get any bigger than this. Like she has to be coming early because I was just, I was huge. Um, And so I know that's not an indicator of if you'll give birth or not, but I just, my mind was telling me like, I can't believe she can be in here for another month. So um, I was, I was prepared. My, I I packed my hospital bag in May. Um, I was like, I'm not playing around. I'm not, you know, she's not going to come early and catch me off guard. So my hospital bag was packed and ready to go in the closet in May. Um, I, you know, every, my hair was done. I had did my own little braids. I was like, I'm not going to be looking tore up when I give birth. Like my hair is going to be together. She's not going to, she is not catching me off guard. She's not going to do it. And so, you know, it, we were approaching her due date. I had a, uh, my appointment. I think it was like the 29th or the 30th of July. And they checked me and they're like, yeah, nothing. <laughs> You're not dilated at all. So I just knew they were going to check me and I was going to be like three centimeters or something. I don't know. I was just, but yeah, this, the, her due date came and went and there was just, there was no signs that she was going to be making any sort of appearance. And so um, Sunday, um, it was that it was a Friday. Her due date was a Friday. And so Sunday, you know, I had cleaned up the house. I was constantly like cleaning up because once again, I was like, I'm not going to be caught off guard and have to come back home with a baby and my house is in disarray. So I was straightening up the house. Um, her nursery was already ready. All her clothes were washed. Everything was put away. Like I was ready. You're just waiting on her. And so I was I just got done, you know, cleaning up and I lay down on the couch and I, you know, was about to get comfy and turn on Netflix and watch, you know, a movie or a show or something. And I started getting, you know, started feeling some contractions and I had actually started having contractions earlier that morning, but they were irregular and then they went away. Um, So that was about around six o'clock in the morning. And I ended up, I started tracking them because I was like, oh, this is it. But, you know, they faded away and I just went back to sleep. So the same thing started happening at around 5 p.m. And they were about five minutes apart, like right out the gate. And I was like, uh, Rufus, he had actually went to his office. He's like, I'm just going to do a few more things, you know, 
just so I'm, you know, so if the baby comes, you know, I'm ready to have everything wrapped up at work. So he wasn't home and he had always been home with me. You know, it was pandemic. We were home together the entire time. And the moment I go into labor, like he's not there. (laughs) So I called him. I was like, these hurt. (laughs) Come home. And so he was getting, he was like, I just picked up some food. Like I'm on my way. So he comes home and I'm on like the exercise ball, you know, just kind of like trying to breathe and relax. Um, They were really manageable. You know, the contractions were manageable at that point. The pain was. And um, he brought me home some like Chipotle, I think it was. And I was like, I don't want that. I want grits. And so <laughs> I don't know. I, I had zero cravings my entire pregnancy. I didn't crave anything. Food was not really my friend during my pregnancy. So I just, that was the first time I had a food craving was when I was in labor. And I, so I wanted grits. I don't know why I said that, but I wanted grits and we had no grits in the house. So he's like, okay, I'm just going to run to the store. <laughs> I was happy to go to the store because I hadn't had to go to the store at all this whole pregnancy. I was like, okay, I feel like a real partner now. Like, hey, baby, I got you. I'm going to go get these, whatever you need, whatever you need. <laughs> yes, he he asked me like two days after I we found out we were pregnant. He's like, do you want ice cream? Do you want me to go to the store and get you something? I was like, no, I don't want, I don't want anything. And I just, I never had that moment. And so until, you know, the very last second. So he went out, he got me some grits. He got back home. He made me grits. I took two bites and I was like, I don't want these. And so. Oh yeah, I was mad. <laughs> I don't know. I just took two bites. I didn't want them anymore. So he ran me a bath. Um, I got into the bath. He lit candles. I was trying to stay very calm. And so, you know, I was laying in the bathtub. I was like, I'm going to labor as long as I can at home. And I was just expected to, you know, I was expecting to be at home for hours, like all night. Um, But they started coming about three, four minutes. And, you know, so we called the doctor and he called our our doctor's office and told them, you know, you know, our contractions are coming. She's not really able to talk through them. And I remember (laughs) being in the bathtub just saying, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Like I was, I didn't even, I don't know where it came from, but that was the only thing I could remember just saying. So I was saying that I was breathing and, you know, it was, it was good. So he was like, Jordan, it's, you know, we have to go, you know, we have, let's get to the hospital. And I just wanted to stay in the tub. You know, I didn't want to move, but I knew I did. I had to move. So I got out of the tub, you know, I had contractions while I was getting dressed. My bag was already packed. So we just grabbed it and got into the car and, you know, I had a few contractions in the car and that was okay. Our, our, our hospital was only about 15 minutes away from where we live. So it wasn't a big deal. Um, so yeah, we actually went to the wrong entrance. (laughs) (laughs) And so we, I like waddle up to the entrance. I'm having contractions and then it was locked. (laughs) (laughs) I had to go back to the car. Like I was, so upset. I was like, oh my God, like, is this, is this really happening? So we got back in the car. We found the correct entrance. Rufus is like, you know, he's, he's really calm. Like in every situation he's calm, but I could tell he was kind of panicking like at that point. Cause he doesn't, I knew he didn't want to see me in pain, but I, you know, when, like when the contractions left, I was fine. And so 
I was like, okay, just relax. We'll find the entrance. Like, don't stress. I didn't want him to stress. So I was kind of like trying to comfort him. But he was like, he was frustrated with himself. And I could tell. Um, But we got to the proper entrance. You know, they checked me when I got in. And they're like, you're four centimeters. So we're going to just have you stay. And I was just like, yes, I don't have to go back home. I was like, four centimeters? Like, I'm almost there. And that was about, um, let's see, that was about at nine o'clock at night. Um, so yeah, I, the hospital was really great. They, I told, they, you know, followed my birth plan really. I didn't want to be, you know, I wanted to be able to move. I wanted to be able to get into the tub. So, you know, they were monitoring her, but I was able to get into the tub with a monitor on and, you know, I labored in the tub. Um, I labored standing up, uh, walking around. I labored standing up in the shower. And so it was, um, yeah, they just, they kept getting stronger. And I remember around midnight, uh, I was like, this is kind of going pretty, they kept checking me and I was moving along really well. So I was like, this is, this isn't too bad. Okay. Like the contractions hurt, but once they are gone, like I can take a breath and, you know, regroup and relax. And it was really a pretty peaceful experience. And so I did get stuck around, I think it was like nine and a half centimeters. Uh, I stayed there for a while and I kept saying like, I think I was stuck there for about an hour and a half. And so I was so close. And so they gave me, they told me to try a couple different positions. And um, I actually think I was on my knees, um, like all fours on the, on the bed. And I think they put like a ball underneath me. And so I think that was just helping to, I think her head kind of opened my cervix up a little more. And so I finally made it to 10. Um, even when I was at 10, I didn't feel a strong urge to push, but I kind of just lied and said that I did. Cause I was just ready to get the process started there. Like, do you feel the urge to push? I was like, uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, I'm ready to like, I'm at 10, like, let's just do this. So I didn't really feel a strong urge, but, um, I, the first time I pushed, I was like, I'm doing this wrong. I could just tell. And so they kind of had to coach me through it and they kind of showed me where to focus my energy. And once they, the nurses showed me, you know, I gave some really good push, some pushes. Um, that was around like four 30 in the morning. And so, um, I, I did push, you know, semi sitting in the, in the hospital bed and, um, I was having those contractions for about an hour, but I pushed for a total of about 15 minutes and out she came at about 5.30. And I was just, Rufus was, he was the cameraman. He had my family back at home in California on FaceTime. So he was holding like a, he was recording with one phone and like had FaceTime on his other phone. And so he got like the perfect shot of her like coming out. I was like, how did you manage all of this? But yeah, so she, Corinne Emery was born and I was, it was, it was amazing. She, she came out, you know, pooping. So she pooped all over me. I didn't, they were like, she's pooping on you. I don't care. Like, give me this baby. Like, I don't, to try to wipe stuff up. I did not care about that at all. Like I could care less about being pooped on. Like I was just so happy she was in my arms and, um, 
I got to breastfeed soon after she was born. So, you know, they honored that. The only thing that I regret about my birth is that I didn't see my placenta. I remember, like, actually, I remember the the sensation, like, when I birthed my placenta, but I wanted to see it. Like, I grew, like, a whole organ. Like, come on. I wanted to see that, but I didn't see it. Um, but really, it was it was a good experience. Um, I did it all naturally. I did tear. She, I did, I did tear a little bit, but so I had to get stitched up and really the stitches were the worst part. Cause now I'm like, now I'm just in pain. Like at least the pain was meant for something when I was trying to give birth, but now this just, is just uncomfortable. And I'm trying to, you know, breastfeed her and they're, you know, stitching me up. But yeah, I had a, I had a good birth experience. You can hear it. Yeah. You can hear, um, it sounds, um, like an experience that you left um, joyful in, of course. Um, Rufus, can you kind of walk us through, you know, your, while Jordan told us like her side, kind of walk us through what was going on in your mind and kind of what you were thinking throughout um, the birth part, the birth. Yeah. Throughout the birth. So again, I was just at the point of how can I best support my wife? Um, you know, I'm like, sure, let's get all the bags on the car. Like, okay, you need to go to the hospital now. I was kind of telling her what I think she should be doing. Like, you know, I think you're ready to go to the hospital. She's like, no, I'm going to stay in the bath a little bit longer. I'm like, no, I don't think we should do that. Um, you know, I, eventually I, she ended up caving, I think obviously because of the pain, but, um, you know, in a situation like this, I was just making sure that she was ready. But that, I think that was the point where it really hit me. was like, the moment we come back in this house. Mm-hmm. we're going to have a kid who's going to scream. <laughs> and so I think that was the first time I actually prepared myself to be like, Oh, this is getting ready to be different. And, you know, I think we had, we both had ideas of what was going to happen mm. post mm. birth. Mm. And it, it was nothing like that. It was, I don't know if we would say worse, but it was worse than we probably could have ever. It was hard. Yeah, like you you think the worst part is going through labor and Mm -hmm. i mean i also want to like shout out my wife because she did it all natural (laughs) so you know she she was she was a trooper she did it she went in hardcore came out you know i was so proud of her uh (laughs) and so i'm like oh this is going to be the worst thing you know she's going to go through and then gonna have this baby and i mean i figured she wasn't gonna sleep a lot but in that hospital like she didn't sleep at all that night and neither did we so you know i was like okay we're gonna go home and you know, my parents will be there and, you know, they'll, they'll help us out. We'll figure out what to do and we'll, we'll make this work. No. Yeah. Like as soon as we left the hospital, it just started going downhill. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. And I just want to say he was a great, before I get to like postpartum, he was a really great birthing partner. Like I didn't know what I would need in that moment. And we talked about that in our birthing class, like, what do you think you'll need? I didn't, I didn't know what I would need. I'd not, I don't know. didn't know if I would need someone to be like touchy feely or just kind of hands off, but he, I didn't have to really tell him what I needed. It's like, he just knew what to do. And he just kind of let me do my thing. Well, I know my wife too. You don't want to be told what to do. (laughs) And you really don't want a body all up on you like that. And I know that. So (laughs) I I play my position. Yeah. He did. Yeah. I didn't, you know, in shows, they always show the woman like squeezing someone's hand. That just is not what I needed. Like I didn't, I think there was a couple times he did a lot of like lower back, you know, the counter pressure and um, 
yeah. And he was just, every time I had a contraction, he was like, oh yeah, like, good job. You know, like, that sounds good. You doing it. And like, that's just what I needed to hear. And I was just moaning, got me through it. I was vocalizing, you know, and he was just like, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm doing it. And so (laughs) he was, he was a really, really, really good birthing partner. I just, I was like, wow, you, you, you really. It's almost like I did this before, <laughs> but I haven't. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the power of being in tune with our partners, too, though. And it's so important um, during birth to be able to have that. Like, that brings on oxytocin, which helps labor, which helps with, like, pain management. So being able to have your partner in that supportive way and being able to be in sync like that, um, it's powerful. It's really, really powerful. Definitely. And he definitely helped me like stay the course with what I wanted to do. Cause I think I had one moment of weakness where I was like, we we told each other we were going to have a word for, if I say this word, that means give me the drugs. Like, and I think it was like wildcat or something. I think it's like, our. <laughs> I was like, if I say wildcat, that means I'm not playing around. But I said one time, like, I, I can't, I was, t- I was just tired. I had been up all day the day before. Like, I just wanted to go to sleep. And so I was like, I just want an epidural. He's like, no, you don't. That's just the enemy. That's just the enemy trying to <laughs> talk you out of what you want to do. You don't want it. You'll be okay. I was like, you're right. You're right. So <laughs> I just said, uh, yeah, he, he kept me focused. And so, yeah, good, really good. You started talking about it a little bit, but walk us through postpartum. What was that like? And we, you know, here we say postpartum is forever. So walk us through the early parts of your postpartum. Yeah. Um, you know, hospital, I was, uh, you know, it, I had a good stay in the hospital. We only stayed in the hospital for one night, maybe two. Um, it wasn't one, long. One night. Yeah. So we were back home. You know, I was excited to get back home. So like you said, his parents were waiting for us. Um you know, his mom was super excited. So we were, you know, I was ready to get home and have her meet some family. And so we had, we came home. No, no. We, it took us a while to get home because we couldn't put the car seat. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody oh, should have told me to are... figure out how to put the car seat in before you get a baby. I mean, we got the car seat in, but we couldn't like get the straps. Oh, we yeah. That's buckle what it was. her we in. Well, again, I didn't know how to work the car seat at all. <laughs> I'm gonna like squeeze her into a car seat that's too tight. Yeah, it was just first parenting fail. Like we could not get her properly strapped in. So I was like, had my whole body over her on our way home. (laughs) And he's driving like 10 miles per hour. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we get home and we had a great like first, like I felt like it was only like five hours before. It was a great five hours. And it just, yeah, Um, quick. Yeah, his 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 pop actually had a stroke. Um, uh, yeah, a few hours that night he had been feeling weird, and he was like, "I I think it was just like a weird sensation on one side of his body." And um, you know, they're from they don't live in Kalamazoo. We live in Kalamazoo, Michigan. They live you know a couple hours away on the other side of the state. So you know, he's he's feeling weird. So they you know. Rufus, they he takes him over to the hospital. His mom goes to, and they're on, they're en route, and then they turn back around because he said, "Okay, like never mind, like I'm feeling okay." 
And so I'm up the next early, early the next morning, like one, two o'clock in the morning, breastfeeding. And, you know, his dad comes out of the room and tells his mom, his mom was up with me. And he's like, I'm like, I need to go to the hospital. And so they go and yeah, we find out that he had a stroke. And so really, you know, we, that's it. Like that's all only, you know, support system we had. Literally the only family we had, like her family is in California. Mm -hmm. My family, my siblings are spread around the country. We only had two elderly people helping us, which I mean, elderly, obviously you're not, they're helpful, but they're also elderly. Mm -hmm. Well, not elderly. But they're old. They're old, yeah. yeah. So, but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like, and that was it, you know. And in Rufus, he's very close with his parents, and so it it was it was really hard for me to see him because I know he wanted to like support. Of course, he has a new family, new baby. He wants to support me. He wants to be there with the baby. But then you know he's this other you know crisis is happening at the same time. And, you know, his parents don't know their way around Kalamazoo and they, you know, so he's having to help them. And of course his pop is having, his dad is having a stroke. So he's, you know, it's just, it was just scary and it was hard because now sometimes I'm already, you know, three days in and I'm already at home alone sometimes with a newborn. And that's, that's terrifying because <laughs> um, you don't know, like they say mother instincts and yeah, but still you don't. You don't know. It's like I got picked up and dropped on another planet. <laughs> Seriously, like I that's what it feels like when you like that's what it felt like cuz I just didn't know what to do always. Um she actually like I was really trying to breastfeed, but breastfeeding is that's a full-time job. You know, people are I'm trying to take it easy cuz I, you know, I tore, I had stitches, but I couldn't. You know, I couldn't do that. You know, our plan was to have me do the whole, oh, you stay in bed. We'll take, I'm just going to stay in bed and breastfeed my baby. And it's just going to be, that's not my experience. I had yeah, like my parents were literally coming to spend like two or three weeks with us mm-hmm. like consistently. So Jordan can just rest for the first week, take it easy the second week. Mm-hmm. And you got about five hours of rest. And then, yeah, no, there was, yeah, and that, and that was it. So, I'm trying to keep, you know, the house going. I'm trying to take care of her. Like I'm in a lot of pain. Um, and so, yeah, breastfeeding, I, I really wanted to breastfeed for a, a long time, but it just wasn't going well. Um, I went to the hospital to see a lactation consultant. Um, I, my, one of my coworkers, I'm so thankful. She put me in contact with her mother and she's a lactation consultant. So I did zoom calls with her. And if it wasn't for her, I would not have I would have just given up, but, you know, we went to Corinne's three day, two day, three day appointment and she was showing signs of dehydration. Um, so I I was like, yeah. So I was like, I already felt like a failure because she wasn't, you know, she wasn't getting enough from me or I wasn't doing it right. Or it, you know, so I was, I was very hard on myself because I did not want to give her formula. Um, and I wanted it to work so bad, but it looked like it wasn't. So, I went to the milk bank, like I was buying, it was, you know, costing like $30, $40 for eight ounces of milk. But I was like, I, I don't want to give her formula. Like I want to breastfeed. So I was trying to pump, um, you know, up around the clock pumping. So my milk supply wouldn't go down and, you know, I'm still not sure if, if she's getting enough. So I'm trying to supplement with the donor milk. Um, 
you know, nipples bleeding. I have red milk. You know, it was just breastfeeding Mm. is hard. It's hard. I just never, I was like, I pushed out a seven pound human with no medication. If I could do that, I could do anything. Like anything that comes after this is going to be easy. No, breastfeeding was the hardest thing. And so <laughs> I'm never going to complain anymore. Now that you're bringing these old memories, I'm like, we have it really good right now. Because <laughs> that was a terrible time. That was terrible. I kind of blocked it out of my memory. It was I'm like, traumatic. That was very traumatic. It was. And like, and so it's COVID. So nobody, we right. can't be around anybody. Like <clears throat> as much as my parents wanted to come, like it was not safe. And I didn't want them to travel. And they didn't want to possibly bring something and get the baby sick or get me. And, you know, we just, we couldn't risk it so we were just on an island like we were completely isolated like it was just the two of us <laughs> for real and not like the song in a good way <laughs> <laughs> yes you're we like i it, we were on an island like struggling we were struggling um so you know i kept at, i think it was about two or three weeks after she was born i I was trying to feed her, I think one night and she was just, you know, she was crying. She clearly was not, you know, she wasn't getting enough or she was still hungry. So I just broke down and I was like, I have to go get formula, you know? So I went to the, I don't think I was even here. You weren't here. (laughs) He wasn't here. He was working. Yeah. You're not. I wasn't here. It's just, it's just strange that like at these critical moments, I'm not anywhere to be found. But it's but, not intentional. I love my wife. I love my family. But I had to go back to work. Yeah. So you know, I started supplementing with milk and um, formula, and that was honestly, it was such a relief. Like I still kept pumping and I still kept breastfeeding, but just knowing, like, okay, she's. I know my child is is fed and okay so you know not i have not if i don't blame women if they don't want to breastfeed at all mm-hmm. i because that's hard mm-hmm. so try it if you don't want to try it that's fine if now i understand like fed is best as long as your baby is fed like you're doing a good job so I, I was trying to convince her of this yeah and she was stuck on breastfeeding and i was trying to respect it but i was also like at the point of hey i think our daughter needs some food <laughs> so I think we need to like figure out another option here that yeah. works best for her first and then us. Yeah. You know, I'm but very... as mothers, you're like, no, 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 this my daughter needs my milk. Mm-hmm. And I and I totally get that. But we were like also in that space of not an argument, but yeah. Trying to like have two different approaches, trying to get the same goal, but we just had two different approaches about it. Yeah. And I can be very one track minded. Like once I want to do something, it's hard to get me off the track. So I was laser focused on breastfeeding, but it just, it wasn't, I, I needed to supplement. And I'm glad that I started doing that because it made the, it made breastfeeding better. When I breastfed her, I was like, you know, I'm still having this connection with her. I'm, you know, I still pump. She still got my milk, but I also know she needs, if you know, if she needs something else, it's there. So Yes. So postpartum, ooh, the recovery, the physical recovery was, wasn't bad. I, you know, I, I bled for about almost three weeks, a little less than three weeks. I didn't really have any pain. I never had to take any med- medication for like the pain, but um, yeah, I, I, I bounced back physically pretty quick. It was just, 
the emotional side um, and the breastfeeding that was so difficult. So, yeah. I mean, that was a lot to carry Mm. five hours after getting home (laughs) from having a baby. That is a lot to have to carry. Um, And I think, you know, what really has come up within this whole COVID situation is we always say a village is important and being in community is important, but especially, you know, um, working with families who are having children and and hearing um, stories of those who have had children during this time, just not being able to be in community and have those resources, what has come up from that um, and how much harder it has made um, this postpartum period because you don't, you're not able to connect with your family um, or your support people. You don't have those extra hands. And in situations where things like this arise, like, you know, one person trying to manage supporting um, the family and the person who just, it's just, it is a lot. Um, And so within that, trying to find the things that work best for you or like, okay, what, what's the most important thing today that we're trying to accomplish or do or focus on um, trying to prioritize about all of that because there's so many layers to healing physically, mentally, trying to take care of your baby, trying to adjust to this new addition to your, your life while in isolation. It's a lot. It is. And, you know, Rufus touched on it earlier. I was so focused on the birth, like just getting through you know, labor and childbirth that I was not focused on what happens after, you know, this baby gets here. I was, just, you know, I didn't even think, you know, what, what support I would need. And people kept telling me like, you know, that support afterwards is important. And yeah, I just want to reiterate it, it is. And that like, so the village is important, but just, it's even more than that. Like if, Sometimes, you know, I got a lot of like verbal support and everyone was supporting me, but I didn't have it there and I needed it like I needed literal hands on deck, <laughs> but I, I, you know, that wasn't available, but um, we're a much better space now, but that is, it's, it was, it was hard. And that's when I really felt like the effect of the pandemic on my experience with her, you know, pregnancy that was okay. You know, I, I got over, you know, like not having the in-person baby showers, you know, that was, I could, I could live with that, but that I wanted so much joy. I just felt bringing home a baby would be so joyful. And it just, it really wasn't, you know, I was glad she was here. I was so thankful that I had a good birth experience, but you know, the postpartum was a struggle. And then I also realized I was how much I internalized, you know, people thinking black women are bad mothers. And I realized like, I was so afraid to make a mistake because I was like, I am going to be labeled a bad mother. Um, If I don't breastfeed, I'm going to be labeled a bad mother. If I, you know, if something happens to her, um, I'm going to be labeled a bad mother. So while I don't think I had postpartum depression, I think I definitely had anxiety because you know, I would have dreams of bad things happening to her. And I would tell my mom, like, if anything happens to her, it's my fault. Like, people will blame me because I'm her mother. So, um, and now I realize I don't, and Black women, we're like the most caring, nurturing, you know, sometimes to a fault. And so we're not bad. That whole label of Black women being bad mothers is just completely 
Like it's ridiculous. And so I don't, I know I don't have to fight against stereotypes that have nothing to do with anything. So now that I'm, so that's also something I want, you know, other people to know is you don't have to spend your energy trying to fight against that stereotype because you are a good mother. If you're, if you're doing what you can for your child, you're a good mother, no matter what it looks like. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you were about to, you were saying that you're in a much better place now, but like, how are things now, um, especially since we are still in a pandemic um, and you, you know, you have a little one, where are you all now on your postpartum? Yeah. So um, emotionally uh, it's, definitely in a better place like we found our rhythm like even for a minute I feel like that first that fourth trimester like me and Rufus we were kind of like at each other's throats like every day we were fight like everything was a fight um we, I think we were both just on edge we were tired we were you know all of that so we've definitely found a groove um I went back to work I only took off I you know I was back to work eight weeks after I had her. My mom actually did end up coming out. Um, I think all the, she saw how much I was struggling. And I think she was just like, I have to just risk it and go. Cause I think it was hard for her to see me having such a, a hard time. Um, so she, I'm thankful. Um, she came and spent about a month with us and that was really great. Um, it was great for Jordan. It was, I mean, <laughs> sorry, that, sorry, that sounded terrible. That sounded terrible. That did sound bad. Let me clarify. <laughs> I was going to send this to my mama too. Well, you can. I'm clarifying. <laughs> what, I, what I was trying to say was it was great for Jordan. And I think Jordan knew it was great for her, but I don't think <laughs> she realized how much she needed mm-hmm. her family here. Mm-hmm. Like my family was cool. Even I was cool. But I think you need, I mean, even as adults, we need our moms, mm-hmm. know, especially if we are able to have them in our lives. And Jordan does. And she has a great relationship with her mom. And I don't think any of us, even if my parents didn't go through what they go went through prior, you know, to us being alone, I don't think any of us could have filled that void of having her mom. So I don't, I don't think she realized how much she needed her mom until she got here. Yeah. I don't think I realized how much she needed her mom until she got here. I probably would have like drove out there and went and got it myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. what I meant. So you can send it to mom. Okay. <laughs> Good clarification. <laughs> Yeah, I I did. Uh, you know, it's weird to go through a whole experience like with your first child. It's my first child, and my mom saw me. You know, I when I went home in December 2019 for my grandmother's funeral, that was the last time my mom saw me, and I was only about you know eight weeks, eight nine weeks pregnant. So I didn't even you know I didn't look pregnant. She never saw me like big belly, you know uh waddling around like I just didn't get to share that with her and so and I we had planned for her to be in the in the room with us you know since she was going to be the long distance like grandparent I wanted her to be there for her birth so I had planned to have my mom in the room with me um and you know it could only she couldn't come first of all and so yeah so it was just there was just so many experiences that i didn't get to share with her so i i did i needed her more than i realized i did <laughs> but yeah we're doing good now work is still you know it's still hard you know i never it was never my <laughs> I never imagined being like a stay-at-home mom, but I'm like a stay-at-home working mom. Like I'm still working a full-time job and still, you know, my mother-in-law, of course, she's helping 
oh my gosh, I, I don't know what I would do without her. She watches. You I know, wonder if that quit our job. I would for sure. <laughs> I would. We we would have because there's no way we could have managed this without her. So, um, there's still a couple days of the week where we you know go back to our place and you know we're we're managing Corinne by her by ourselves and we're like what this is this is it's hard. So luckily, like my job is very you know they try to actually see us as like human beings like treat us as full people they understand what people are going through so um if i ever need to just block off time and say you know i have to take care of my child they are very understanding um so i'm thankful for that same with his job um so yeah but it's it's definitely it's not easy we're in a good groove um you know she's it's a joy like i talked about a lot of issues but she's just I'm just obsessed with this little girl she just makes even on the hard days like just seeing her develop it's just a wonder like I'm in awe of her every day watching her develop and she's just so funny and she could just do she could sneeze and it can make me smile like she's just adorable like so I just I love being her mom I'm so thankful for her I think she really came at a time where I needed her the most so yeah Thank you for sharing that, um, for both of y'all sharing sharing your journey, um, navigating parenthood and especially navigating parenthood during this time. I think all of us with children right now are just mm-hmm. like, what the heck? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, 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 I do think we're all bringing that same sentiment that it has um, for a lot of us allowed us to. I think really look at our children, really be in presence with them. And I'm not saying every day it's easy because there are days we want to send mine outside, just go outside. <laughs> um, but the slowdown, the, the being with them a lot more, I think has, you know, you're, you're able to notice those small things that I don't think we would like a sneeze does make you laugh or just little nuances that they have. So um. Yeah, we're appreciative of y'all sharing your journey today. But is there anything else that you want to share? Resources, advice, anything else from your birth? Something I didn't mention was like with when I was preparing to give birth. You know, I I still recommend that book. I know everyone's not religious, but Holy Labor was a really great book for me to read. Um, and there wasn't too problematic. You know, sometimes. <laughs> things um, with religion can be problematic, but that book was not too problematic, but um, really imagining and like claiming what you want your experience to be like, even if it doesn't always go that way. I just remember like telling, like talking to God and like telling, like even talking to my baby to saying, you know, we're, I'm not going to be in labor for 36 hours. You're, we're doing this in 12 hours and I'm not pushing for more than an hour. And it, that's literally what happened. So, you know. And that's the one and only time she had listened to us. <laughs> yes, the obedience <laughs> stopped after that. <laughs> no, she's totally telling us what to do. <laughs> yeah. But just, you know, try to, like, you know, imagine and just talk to, you know, whoever. Just get your mind ready and right and just. If you need to unplug, if you need to disconnect, if you need to just take that time to focus on what's coming up, do that. And yeah, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, if I did it again, I 
I don't know if I would do a natural birth again. <laughs> Honestly, that was a lot of, that was a lot of work. It was very painful, but um, yeah, I wish I would have had a doula, but I really wish I would have had a postpartum doula. Um, so those are things that I would look into, you know, especially if, you know, if you're pregnant now, if you're planning on it, like that postpartum period is nothing to play with. So have a support, have backup support, have <laughs> plan A through Z if you can. Yeah. But yeah, we're doing something great. So be proud of yourself, however it goes. Okay. We are doing something great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. 